Welcome to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast, a deep dive into biblical leadership with pastor and author, Dr. Gerald Brooks. Hi, this is uh, Gerald Brooks. Thank you so much for uh, joining me for another podcast. I appreciate the uh, way that so many of you have gotten the word out about the podcast and just amazing to me is the places the podcast is now reaching, the nations it's reaching into, uh, the different aspects of leaders that are now um, listening to the podcast. So thank you. Thank you for putting it on your Facebook. Thank you for putting it on all your uh, different uh, platforms to let people know because uh, we want to grow leaders. We want to grow leaders in our nation. We want to grow leaders in the world. We want to grow them in our communities. We want to grow them in our churches. And the only way you can grow leaders is for leaders to learn, for them to begin to hear those first thoughts. So uh, thank you to all of you that have been doing that. Hey, today, I, I want to talk about one of those areas that I think uh, leaders deal with a lot. And that is, I want to talk about spotting talent. How do you spot talent? That if you need to create a team, if you need to enlarge a team, if you need to expand a team, how do you spot talent? What are the things that you look for that would really be the baseline of telling you, hey, this is uh, talent and this is uh, an individual who has possibilities? See, one of the most difficult tasks we face as leaders is identifying those in whom we should invest our time. There's nothing more frustrating than to spend time with someone only to see him or her fall to the wayside. So how do you spot potential? How do you begin to discover the talent? What I want to do is I want to walk you through an event where Jesus did just that where Jesus began to uh, spot talent and began to say, this is an individual that I want to spend time with, that I'm going to invest in for the future. And uh, this story takes place in Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Now, um, I could read the whole text to you, but just for the sake of time, uh, let me just give you a little bit of background. Uh, Jesus is beginning to speak. There's a multitude of people that have begun to gather. Uh, at, like many places, he had looked for a place where he would have sort of a, a way to project his voice and at the same time create sight lines. So he had gone down to a lake. So you can imagine a lake and you can imagine the hills that begin to roll up beside the lake. People are now stacked, uh, you know, person after person as they're hearing uh, Jesus this crowd becomes more enthused with what he's saying, so they get closer and closer to him until he didn't have any place to go. And it's at that point we pick up a story of him beginning to interact with a man that we know as Peter, a.k.a. Simon. So I want to walk you through 10 principles that give us characteristics of talent. The first one's in Luke chapter 5 and verse 3. And then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and he asked him to put out a little from the land. He sat down and he taught the disciples from the boat. Here's what we know. We know in the context of this story, when you read it all, that Simon, Peter, had uh, been out all night and he was fishing. Uh, at the end of his 
fishing period of time. They had not been highly successful in it. And now he's just taking care of all his equipment. He's taking care of the boat. So the first principle of talent is this. Look for people who are already busy. Look for people who are already busy. You know, one of the things that I found is that uh, you can teach people possibilities, but what you can't teach them is you can't teach them how to work. And throughout the Bible, we see this connection between ministry and work. So in Acts 13 and verse 2, it says that as they ministered to the Lord, um, that through some very inspired individuals, they said, separate uh, Paul and Barnabas for the work whereunto I've called them. Notice that before the calling, the supernatural element came into play, it talked about work. See, I found that no matter how well or how much someone has a calling on their life, if they don't know how to work, they're not going to succeed. And so having a, a work pattern in life, having a pattern of showing that you uh, are busy in life and you're doing something. And uh, throughout the Bible, we see this. The Bible says, study to show yourself approved, a workman of God that needeth not be ashamed, but rightly dividing the word of truth. We, are know, we know that it talks about how that we in ministry are to do the work of the evangelist. So there's always this interplay that always is talked. But what you'll find is work always precedes calling. Because... You have to know how to work. What is your work ethic? What is your uh, work pattern? What are your work habits? And so when Jesus was spotting talent, he looked around for someone who was already at work, someone who was already busy, someone who was already there, someone who was already at work. So number one, find people who are busy. Find people who already know how to work. Number two, and he saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Number two, look for people who are responsible. Now, can I tell you, it's a lot of fun catching fish. It's not a lot of fun mending nets. It's a lot of fun to go out there and to have catch the biggest fish that you've ever caught. It's not a lot of fun to have to organize all the debris that is in the boat. Can I tell you that washing and mending nets was boring and laborious tax? It was one of those tasks that was just no fun to do. And um, there are things that we get to do that are really, really fun. But then there are some things that we get to do that are just our responsibility. It's just our job. And I know some people say, well, you know, I really don't want a job. I just want to do something that I enjoy. Well, the fact of the matter is, is that every part of life has responsibilities of things you just do. And that's what's happening here, is that Peter is mending his nets. He's washing his nets. He's making sure that the laborious, the... Uh, non-exciting moments are just being taken care of. See, it is a sign of maturity if you have the ability to follow through on a task. And leadership requires the ability to follow through. 
See, it'd be easy at the end of the day. Oh, this wasn't a successful day. We didn't catch anything. So you know what we're going to do? We're just going to throw everything in the boat. and We'll take care of it tomorrow. But that's not how you do life. You can't throw everything in the boat. Even though you may not have been successful today, you are preparing yourself for success tomorrow. That's what responsibility is. Responsibility is the habit of preparing yourself so you can be successful tomorrow. So Jesus is sitting there looking, and as he looks, he sees someone who's busy. They're at work. As he looks, he sees someone who is responsible, who is doing the little things and doing the little things well. Another characteristic. It says, and then he got into one of the boats. Now, you got to understand something. This is Peter's livelihood. This is how Peter makes his living. And to launch out, there would always be the possibility of something going wrong, something that you didn't want to happen, happening. You've already pulled in for the day. You've already got your, your boat sort of moored and you've got it all tied up. And now he's going to begin to push away from the shore. It says Jesus just got in one of the boats and he got in. See, the third characteristic that you want in people is you look for people who are willing to give. See, giving is one of those uh, arts of, of Christian growth that has to be present. Have you ever had somebody that you thought was very, very gifted, very, very talented? They, they seem to have the resume. They seem to have the life. But when you began to be around them, there was no give and take in them. There was nothing that they would do. They were willing to do their job, but they weren't willing to interact as a team uh, to help someone else. Uh, they weren't willing to give a little bit of their resources so that the project can get done. Well, in life, if you're going to find talent, then one of the things you look for is someone who has the ability to give. And see, Peter was willing to help. But I can tell you something, giving always appears as an inconvenience or a problem. So, because I'm a pastor, there's times when my youth pastors say, well, this is what we're doing. But over here, my children's pastor is saying, well, I've got to do this. But the youth pastor so focused on what they're doing, they forget that we're doing something together. And instead of cooperating, instead of working together, instead of, ha instead of having a giving heart, they end up sort of pushing back and saying, no, I got to get my stuff done. And they get their stuff done at the sake of everything getting done. And so as you look for people, you want to look for people who've proven. In fact, if you interview, one of the things is tell us a time when you were doing your job, when you were doing your work, and uh, somebody else came in and asked for something. And you knew that it might delay you. You knew that it might create a problem for you. How did you handle that? And if they said, well, you know, uh, I just told them I couldn't do it, that's sort of a sign to you. Because you want people who are able to give, who are able to give their time and resources to help the overall well-being of what is trying to be accomplished uh, done. And so look for people who are giving. Uh, we know that one of the things that happened was that because he gave, um, Jesus is going to give back because you never give to God without God giving back. And so what Jesus does is he tells him to launch out. 
He says, I want you to go to some deeper water. I want you to go out there. And it says, but Simon answered him and said, Master, we have toiled all night and have caught nothing. Um, the fourth characteristic is this. Look for people who will ask honest questions. Look for people who will ask honest questions. Now, I'm not talking about the got you, the got you kind of moment, the person who's into sort of uh, verbal jousting that no matter what you say, they're going to say something. But I am talking about the individual that'll just sort of say, hey, I'm not opposed to doing what you said to do, but I really, could you just walk me through this? And, and so that's really, really important. But let me also interject on a, uh, on a leadership side. There are leaders out there, they are only comfortable with people who will never ask a question. And if you're only comfortable with people who will never ask a question, you're not going to have a high-capacity leader. Because I can tell you, I am a high-capacity leader. I get to hang around some of the best and most brilliant high-capacity leaders in this nation. And one of the things that I found is, I have found that leaders tend to ask questions. Whether they should or they shouldn't, they do. And so they're sitting back there when someone's communicating and they're saying, well, what about this? Well, what if this happens? Well, what about that? Well, uh, here's the thing. The more secure you are, the better leader you will draw. And so if you're really secure in your leadership journey, then you're not hesitant for someone to ask an honest question. Now, again, I know there's the antagonist attitude out there and there's just the critical attitude. And I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the honest question. That's what Simon's doing. He's saying, Lord, we've already been out there. Uh, we're pretty good at this. We're, we're fishermen. This is what we do. And we've already been out. So it's all right. Look for people who ask the honest question. The next thing, he says, nevertheless, at your word. Nevertheless, at your word. The next principle is um, you want to look for people who are talented. And one of the things you want to look for is for people who will listen. That even when they have questions, that if there comes a time when the decision has to be made, and the decision is made. Maybe it's not made the way they think or, or it's not the decision that, that they would make. You need people who will listen. And Simon just says, hey, I get it. I don't understand everything we're doing right now, but I recognize that you are seeing something that I don't see. So nevertheless, at your word. And so... Uh, here we have, we have someone who's willing to listen. And so I've had people that were amazing parts of my teams over uh, the 40 years that I've done what I do. And over those period of times, uh, some of the best ones would, would offer me uh, really, really transparent, uh, honest questions. But then I'd look at them and I'd say, I appreciate your question. Here's the best answer I can give you. Because in leadership, you can't always give all the answers. Because if you have all the answers, you're dealing with history. You're not dealing with the present moment. And so there's times when you don't have all the answers, but you just feel like this is what needs to be done. And you need people who will say, nevertheless, you know what? I'm with you. I'm there. Uh, let's go ahead. Let's get this done. And then... And Luke chapter 5 and verse 7, it says, So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. Um, 
when Peter responded, he probably did it with a certain degree of thinking, well, I'm going to do this, but I'm not sure if it's really going to work, that it's really going to uh, be the kind of thing that uh, will be successful. But he did it. He listened. But when he goes out there, all of a sudden he catches fish. And he catches so many fish that it says his nets begin to break. He catches so many fish that it says his boat begins to sink. Now, let me just interject this. A lot of people haven't realized that the blessing of God can sink you. Now, I know that doesn't make sense to some people because they're saying, well, if I'm blessed of God, it's just good. But you can be blessed and it can cause you problems. And that's what's happening to Simon. He's being blessed into a problem. Can you imagine as a fisherman, what is your nightmare scenario? To have torn nets and a sunk ship. He's being put out of business. He's being put out of business by the blessing of God. The blessing is creating a problem. And see, that happens in people's lives. Because sometimes what happens is that God blesses you and all of a sudden you're blessed. And if you don't know how to handle the blessing of God, it'll create a problem for you. And here's the principle. God doesn't bless you unless he's thinking about someone else also. And that's what's happening with Peter. If Peter would try to hold on to everything God was doing just for him, it was going to sink his boat. But it says they signaled to their partners. See, when you're looking for talent, you want to look for people who have the ability to work, but you want to look for people who have the ability to work with others. Because if you're going to put together a team, they're not just going to work for themselves. They're just not going to work with you. They're going to interact with other people. And it's so they, they signal for their partners in the other boat to come and help. Well, that's what's happening here. Um, they have the ability not only to work, but to work with others. Um, see, potential can only be measured against people. Because if you have potential, but you can't interact with people, then your potential really doesn't matter. There aren't many jobs where you get to sit in a room all by yourself and you get to make a difference just being in a room by yourself. Potential has to be interactive. Potential has to be able to interact and work with others. So in this case, Jesus is looking at this guy and he says, man, you not only have the ability to work, but you have the ability to work with others. That's gold. That's what you want. And then in verse 8, it says, when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me, for I am a sinful man. Now, what is happening here is the fact that um, whenever God starts working in your life, he works outwardly, but he also works inwardly. And right now, we're going to see the seventh quality. Look for people who are honest about themselves. You ever had someone who was brutally honest about everyone else, but they weren't honest about themselves? They were willing to tell everyone else exactly what they needed to do and exactly what they needed to go through but they weren't willing to be honest with themselves. And everyone said, hey, we get it that what you're saying may be true about us, but at what point do you have truth towards you? 
At what point do you respond to who you are and, and have that context of truth in you? But here he is, he, he comes and he falls down at Jesus' knees and he says, I'm a sinful man. Hey, I've blown it. I've made some mistakes. I failed. You know, to me, one of the best interview questions is describe in detail when uh, you've been at work and you've blown it and describe how you handled that. Describe when uh, you let the team down. Describe when you were unable to get a job done and see if there's some honesty there. Because if there's not honesty towards themselves, then there's going to be harm towards the organization. Because in leadership, every leader makes mistakes. I've made mistakes. You'll make mistakes. Anyone we hire makes mistakes. And so if people aren't honest with themselves, they'll never be honest with you. See, you can teach people skills, but you can't teach people character. Character is something that is internalized where you have a value system and you live to that value system whether anyone else lives with that value system or not. Next principle. Luke chapter 5, verses 8 and 9. And when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at the knees of Jesus, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which had been taken in. Notice he adds this. At first he's falling down at Jesus' feet. But now he adds the word, Lord. You ever watch someone come to Jesus, but they're not willing to let him be Lord? Isn't that an interesting thing? We can have a come to Jesus meeting, but we don't allow him to be Lord. And see, uh, what this is, is it's a very strategic point in someone's ability to conduct themselves. Because you have to look for people who will recognize authority. Authority. That's what he's doing. We've gone from Jesus to Lord. We've gone from a person to Lord. We've gone from, hey, you're just someone I was hearing speaking. You're someone that I loaned my boat to, and now you're Lord. See, look for people who recognize authority. Now, it doesn't mean that you have to always agree with authority, but you do need to recognize it. Remember in Matthew chapter 8 when uh, Jesus found a centurion and Jesus marveled at him and the centurion said, for I am a man with authority and I'm a man under authority. See, everyone with authority is under authority. A lot of people come to me and say, well, you're the senior pastor. You get to do whatever you want. Anyone who thinks the person on top gets to do everything they want has never been in that position. Because what they find is that you're really not on top. Everything builds on top of you. And so as a leader, you understand that there comes a place where you just recognize authority. See, I recognize that no matter how much I may believe someone's to be a part of my team, and they're supposed to be a part of my team forever, that God's given everyone a will, and that will gives everyone the authority to choose. And so some people say, I'm not going to take the journey for as long as you think I should take that journey. But I also recognize the authority of, of others in my life. As I tell people, uh, if you don't have someone who can tell you no, then you're probably going to be a problem. 
Because in every leader's life, there needs to be a handful of people. That's not everyone. But when they tell you no, it's no. You stop. Oh, but I feel God said no. If God's not big enough to work through them, then probably you're in trouble. The Bible says, let everything be established by two or three witnesses. There are times when you just have to be a person who recognizes authority. Now, I'll tell you, most leaders, they don't recognize policy. They don't recognize position. And they don't recognize procedure. But any gifted leader I know does recognize authority. Because they understand that in life, that you're a man with authority and you're a man under authority. So look for people who recognize authority. And then in verse 10, it says, And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. Pretty dramatic here. Look for people who will change. You know, what's happening here is fundamental to the identity of who Simon is. Simon's always been a fisherman. People knew that he was a fisherman. By the clothes that he wore, by honestly the aroma that was around him, where he hung out, that he hung out by a lake, his skill set, everyone knew he was a fisherman. But now, change is going to happen. And he's going to be able to adjust and say, hey, you used to do this, but now I'm asking you to do this. See, too often when we're looking for talent, people are committed to their talent, but they're not committed to change. And and the society that we live in and the world that we live in, um, there are changes that everyone has to make. As I tell pastors, uh, you know, the message doesn't change. The packaging does. So what we believe doesn't change, but how we may package it to present it does change. And it's all right to change the package, but don't change the message. And so in this case, uh, there's change going on. He's, He's willing to adjust his life. He's willing to be something that he's not. And people who are going to be talented people, they have a willingness to change, to become something different than they are right now. And then in verse 11, the 10th principle. So when he had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. The 10th principle. Look for people who are willing to let go of the past. Look for people who are willing to let go of the past. That's what's happening here. Some people are so committed to yesterday that they can't be effective today. And so some people are so committed to yesterday and today that they can't see tomorrow. And what I can tell you is you can't lead if you're dragging the past behind you. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't honor the past. That doesn't mean that you don't give reference to the past. But what it does mean is this. You're willing to get out of the past. In Joshua chapter 1, God starts... A book. Nobody starts a book with an obituary but God. Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, arise. What was God saying to Joshua? 
get out of the past and move on with the future. And if you're going to find talented people, I think that these 10 principles that sort of wrap around uh, Jesus' interaction with Peter become a foundation stone to help us understand how to be highly effective at being able to uh, see talent and react to talent and respond. Uh, these are 10 principles. I think they're good principles. I think they're solid principles. I think these principles will help you be a better um, individual at spotting talent. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Again, I ask your help. Um, if we're going to have great leaders, then leaders need to be learning. And if you know a leader out there that you think maybe the podcast could, list, uh, could help and they could listen to it, uh, I just encourage you, if you will, to go out there and to uh, make it available. If you'll ever post one on your Facebook or your Twitter account or whatever, that would mean so much to me. I do want to remind you that um, there's a lot of meetings going on. I know in the next uh, week I'll be at a, a great church in, in, in Pittsburgh where we'll, we'll be developing leadership and training uh, ministers. I know that uh, I will uh, then be in New Mexico where there'll be another opportunity to interact and so if you would like to know where maybe we could catch up and interact together, if you'll go to Gerald Brooks Ministries, just look there and see. Uh, we have a whole lot of resources. We have a whole lot of books and things. And I just want to thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being an amazing leader. Thank you for making lives better. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast. If you'd like more information on Dr. Brooks's books, audio, or speaking engagements, please go to GeraldBrooksMinistries.com.